Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hey guys, you know, as you know, I'm Nick. Um, hey, I'm John. And we're actually here at uh, Rapid TCT 2023, um, and you kind of hear some of the noise in the background, and you know, we're kind of doing a company spotlight, you know, on Ulinda, and we are here with Ms. Brenda Jones talking about Ulinda, and what is your background? How should you show up to everybody? Yeah, my, um, my uh, career has been mostly in software, um, usually um, uh, CIO or VP of Vice President of Professional Services. Um, but about seven years ago, I transitioned into entrepreneurship and decided that I wanted to try a different track. Um, so I started to get involved into the entrepreneur- entrepreneurial ecosystem um, in southeastern Michigan. Um, joined up with a couple of startups, did a little you know, volunteer work for them. Um, and in 2017, I actually ran into a company that had developed a piece of software on the campus of the University of Michigan. It was a computer vision-based uh, okay. piece of software. And that's pretty much all they had. They had no website, no logo, no nothing. Hmm. And we took that company from just the idea on the college campus all the way to selling the company in three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's super, awesome. super quick. That's super quick. Yeah. We did it all bootstrapped. Um, so hadn't even taken on any investment. Um, so after I completed that, you know, did my wind down, you know, usually the CEO, they don't need two CEOs, so I wind down and do a transition. Um, I decided to volunteer for a class at the University of Michigan's business school. This is a really unique class where they take local startups as the subject matter of the class, and they put groups of students, they assign groups of students to each one, and they learn about being a venture capitalist. They, and they also learn about what it feels like to ask for money as an entrepreneur. So um, that's, it, it was in that class that I uh, met Ulendo, the founder and COO of Ulendo. Um, and I was just um, so impressed by the technology. They had patented it. And um, the two guys that had started the company were great. Um, I thought we had a good, you know, chemistry match, which is important. In, um, it's really important when you're starting a company. Uh, so about a year ago, I joined them as their CEO. Um, it was at last year's Rapid, actually, in Detroit, that we announced uh, the commercial availability of our, of our first product. So that's how I got, you know, essentially software, seven years ago, transitioned to entrepreneurship, and now that's my thing, is identifying academic-based uh, innovations and bringing them to market. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. That's actually perfect, because that's, that kind of segues right into the, the, the next part, which is exactly what the mission of the podcast is, is, um, you know, STEM education and, and kind of growing in that, that mindset, because we, like, personally... Um, I didn't see my first 3D printer or know about additive manufacturing until about my senior year, which is about 2015. So at that time, it was pretty expensive to kind of, the, the barrier to entry was, was very high cost. So, um, and, and of course, you got to convince people that this is going to be a viable solution. You're not just doing it for rapid prototyping. You can, you can have products that are, you know, manufactured in the sense that are full production like pieces and yep. parts. Yep. So, um, if, if I'm able or if we're able to kind of with the podcast get the information out to you know 
kids in fifth or sixth grade, like if I had gotten in in fifth or sixth grade, the trajectory of my, you know, college career, where I would have went to college, um, where I, what I would have studied would have vastly changed. Um, so that's, that's something that we, it's kind of a, a linchpin or sticking point for us is we need to get the, not just, you know, tell people about 3D printing, but get the printers into the classroom um, and kind of show um, instead of just telling, like if, if we put something in the hands that shows like maybe a physics property, um, we can teach somebody like uh, how it works, you put that in someone's hand, that's going to get the gears kind of moving, so that's exactly what we would like to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and honestly, seeing some of the, the products that, you know, Ulendo, um, the software Ulendo offers is, is, is really impressive in just the amount of time, because you think about prints are like, you know, six to seven hours if you want something substantial. So, um, you know, being able to cut down time or being able to get it done in like maybe one day versus like two days um, is, is something that's vital and, and will, you know, increase that you know, visibility. So, um, definitely what we'd like to do with the product. Well, you know, um, so education is part of our um, cultural values as well. We, um, of course, our, our founder is a professor of mechanical engineering at the University of Michigan, uh, Chinadum Ofudere. We call him Chi for short. So he, as a professor, is always mentoring, you know, master's students and PhD students. But from the company's perspective, we also support education in multiple ways. Um, we almost always have an intern, even... Uh, working with us, sometimes multiple okay. interns. Um, even though we're a small company, we feel so strongly about making sure there are more people that understand, you know, additive manufacturing and this kind of technology with a hands-on approach. Um, that's that's much better. It, it's like it's kind of funny when we kind of you know you we started segueing into you know especially like the education side out. It's like he calls me insane, which is fine. I, I have, I'm not going to disagree a little, with this. A little crazy. Um, I'm trying. You know, like I've been telling him for the past year. You School, you know, at least get your master's degree out of the way. Yeah. You know, so you know, it was pushing him towards the what the additive manufacturing program at Penn State. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, I, I applied there. At yeah. Penn, yeah, I have, so so the back, my background is in, in physics actually. So I went to school. I went to University of North Carolina at Wilmington and and did the uh, physics undergrad. And um, it it kind of it changed how I thought. Um, so like school always high school, they never teach a lot of the students kind of. Uh, skills to grow in your career or past high school. They're just trying to get you to the next grade or to graduation so you can be someone else's problem, right? Um, so if you're not doing some of this stuff on your own or you have outside you know, influences on the students, then you end up not getting that growth and you, miss, you lose a lot of time. Uh, so I did, when I went to physics, um, I kind of, I didn't go in just because I was curious about how things worked. It was, I wanted a challenge and it definitely was a challenge, mm -hmm. but we, we made it through, and, and at the end of the day, I do need to go back, and, and I am going to go uh, to Penn State for the additive manufacturing, um, uh, or uh, Master's of Engineering with focus on additive manufacturing, and, and in that sense, I want to bring a lot of the, the knowledge from that class to, of course, the podcast, and of course, um, to kind of the area around you know, South Carolina, because not a lot of companies are, they're kind of dabbling in, in 3D printing, uh, but I don't think they've kind of taken the full like dive in. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have small things, they do rapid prototyping, um, but a lot of those things aren't as rapid as they would like them to be because then they have to send it out to get it machined and yep. actual metal parts. We don't have some of those things. So it, it, it's the process is, it needs some work. 
Um, so, and, and especially with a global company or any global companies, to get everybody on the same page, it takes even more work. So um, that's something that we're going to do. And, and of course, uh, because he, he was the one that kind of started me on that path because uh, he's going to get the uh, doctor in technology. I, I start next month Purdue. for the doctor technology yeah. program. Purdue. That's why I call him crazy. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot of you know, focusing yeah. mostly on you know the added manufacturing side of the house, but also like for me, and I know it kind of segues into the software side of the house, is how do we secure these things? How do we secure a 3D printer? Because your your USB port on the on a on a 3D printer is the segue to your network. Hit those printers or networks. Yeah. So, yep. you know, for me, it's kind of like, I kind of like looking at the, like, the cybersecurity side of the house, you know, when it happens. But for me, it's also, you know, how do we take added manufacturing and use it for, for the educational side of the house? Mm-hmm. I have friends who are, who are, who are teachers, yep. and they don't have printers in their classroom. Hmm. The only printer they have in their classroom is at the library where they make, you know, bookmarks. Mm-hmm. Very under, under <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of opportunity for growth. Exactly. So to reflect back on what you were saying about, um, you know, the speed. Um, so one of the issues uh, that with the adoption of additive manufacturing, what, the reason why it's been so slow is uh, that it suffers from quality and speed issues. Um, and some of those quality and speed issues, the underlying issue, the underlying problem is the vibration. So as you probably know, when you try to operate a 3D printer too fast, it starts to vibrate, which creates... Um, surface defects, and it can be as bad as, you know, spaghetti, you end up with a spaghetti part, just right. layer shifts, and it's just all messed up. Wasted right. time, wasted material. So that's what that's what our first product does, Ulendo DC, vibration compensation. We actually compensate for the vibration on a printer so that it can run at twice the speed with the same quality. And, and, and this is entirely software-based, so you don't need to, you don't need to add any, you know, particular part or change a motor or anything you can do this with you know your OEM printer if you want mm-hmm. right so that that's actually what we're going to get into next because um, that that issue we, we see it now just with the you know with, with the consumer grade printers like your, your Ender 3s and your Prusa and, and things like that uh, you see once you start cranking up some of the speed if you change some of the firmware it the, the firmware will make the print appear to print faster however you're going to get the artifacting like you were speaking yep. with and, and honestly it's 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 a product of the system so core xy or or our standard um i think it's uh core yz or something like yeah. that or yx um they they don't compensate for that and honestly they don't have any stabilizers it's because you want to get the price down you want to get it in everybody's you know rooms everybody's home so um, they take away a lot of that, and if you can solve that with software, that's that's game changing, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, to kind of uh, piggyback on that, we I saw some of the pictures of the prints, um, and I definitely have some prints that are spaghetti because I tried to uh, we, we built we built a couple of Voron printers, which is uh, kind of a you know it was a passion project, right? So mm-hmm. it wasn't anything that like we were trying to kind of show off or anything, but it's. Something we noticed is the Voron is trying to print faster. It's using the Core XY system. However, there's still issues with a little bit of the vibration. It's trying to go faster because it, with the Clipper firmware, um, it pushes that a little further. So um, I think we were mentioning it uh, last time. Your, your software does it, it does it go down into the firmware? Is it a configuration file? It's just you know, it, or is it a slicer in and of itself? Um, it, it's neither of those. Okay. Um, so there, it's actually two steps. 
Uh, the first step uh, does require an accelerometer. So we slap okay. an accelerometer onto a specific printer. Let's say a printer model. Um, let's talk about the situation where a manufacturer wants to make their printer model be Lendo enabled for their end users. Okay. So we slap an accelerometer on that. Um, we run it through some motions and we basically co collect enough data to characterize the way the printer is going to vibrate. We turn that into a calibration map that we um, store onto the controller of the printer along with some of our other software alongside the firmware. So it's, it doesn't replace the firmware, it's integrated with the firmware. So then every time, then you take the accelerometer off, you don't need that anymore. Now when you operate the printer, now we know, we can predict when the vibration is going to happen and we trick the, um, the tool path into going in the correct direction so as not to, so as to avoid the ringing or the, um, right. you know, the, the quality problems that you mm -hmm. see. A little dissonance um, and stuff like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's really impressive because like, that's the first thing that I noticed with my printer that when I didn't do really much to it and whenever I tried to crank, it gives you the option to crank the speed up. I tried to crank the speed up and it starts whining and complaining pretty much. So that's definitely an issue. So you're saying it, it works in conjunction with the, the firmware. Does it matter which firmware it works with or is it compatible with I mean, I know a lot, I know Marlin is uh, kind of a, a child or a, a product of RepRap, um, and Clipper also is a kind of uses a, like a Marlin base for their thing. So I'm assuming a lot of those probably work together, right? Um, so is there, um, do you, you guys don't work together with any of the, the firmware, um, I guess the GitHub, the firmware uh, repositories or anything like that? You don't, you can just introduce it in, you don't have to, um, with, with, with just the accelerometer, it's all you need? You don't need any of the other configurations? It does it by itself, I mean. It does it by itself. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I, so we, 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 will, we would be able to um, implement our software on a controller with any firmware. It, it's a matter of how, how difficult it is. So we have the most experience with Marlin. We also have experience with Sailfish. So as we do additional, you know, additional customers, who have used different firmware will get more and more experience with different firmwares. Okay. The most difficult situation is when someone's developed their own piece of firmware or that it's on a closed controller that doesn't have a lot of uh, documentation. So that's the most complicated um, implementation. I guess the, the question I was trying to get to was the support for that. So if someone came to you with a, with a, like a more custom firmware, would it be still able to? Yep. Uh, so you guys have a team that works together. Yep. Oh, wow. That's yep. impressive. So, I, for example, I run with my Boron. I've got a um, input chamber on there. Mm -hmm. It's permanently affixed to the back of my the, the back of the, the device mm -hmm. because everything's running Canvas, but I'm also running Clipper. Yes. So if I switch that over to which it might be really interesting to run Marlin on a on a, on a uh, uh, Boron, which I might. So I can actually possible. install it. Why can't you? Yeah, it's, it's possible. Right? I can actually install it under on that. Oh wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You could try it out. Yeah, and I mean, that might, that might be an interesting install. No, yeah, because that, um, <laughs> when I when I was doing I a little bit, I used to run it on That'd be actually yeah. really cool. Well, no, it's 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 worth a try. I mean, yeah. honestly, at the I end of the day, you save just save the old configuration if you need to revert back. But yeah. um, that that's kind of what I was getting at. Is like, what's what's stopping us from from trying it, right? And there's nothing really. That was you know the support for it if, as long as the support's there, like working together because. You know, one of our friends that works with us, he definitely, um, he's on the contributor page for Marlin Firmware on the GitHub, so we definitely have somebody that 
a little bit more knowledgeable in the details of the firmware than, than us, then, but it's, it's something that all of us are interested in. So, um, and is it, is it able to be pulled up off of GitHub or is it directly from the Lulinder site? How do people, how do people get their hands on it? So um, I will answer that by talking about our contribution to Marlin. Marlin open source. I'll, I'll string yeah, those together. Yeah, that's something that we're interested in is yeah. the open source. Yeah, I'll string that yeah. together. <laughs> so, um, so let me first talk about Clipper. So Clipper, we've noticed a lot of attention in the past, say, six months or so about Clipper's input shaping. Um, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a software approach to vibration compensation as well. However, um, according to my understanding, at least now, we still need an additional device uh, to run Clipper. And input shaping of the technology, the way it works, it results in rounded corners. Um, so that is going to be an issue for an industrial user. Um, it may be perfectly fine for a home home user, an enthusiast might be just perfectly fine. But rounded corners, as you can imagine, um, would not be satisfactory for a high precision part that a manufacturer wants to make. So we saw all that going going on and we said, man, why don't we, we, we have developed our own input shaper ourselves, just to compare our technology to input shaping mm -hmm. as a technology. Mm -hmm. So we decided um, uh, last year uh, to contribute our input shaping code to the Marlin open source project. Um, so that's in there. It's called a fi a fixed time. And it now, it now when you, when you um, download the latest version of Marlin, you can actually use input shaping if you want. You can actually now, we've opened up because of the way we implemented it, you can attach other advanced algorithms um, to our fixed time component. And if you want, if you need the increased precision of the Ulendo VC solution, there's a fast upgrade track that you can follow right from the Marlin soft, the Marlin firmware to up, upgrade to our uh, commercial product. Oh, wow. So it's a nice, easy path. We're hoping to then do the same thing with RepRap um, and, and other commonly used firmwares to make it as easy as possible for the folks to implement our stuff. Yeah, so, so that's, yeah, the next, the next question or the next step that we wanted to go over was the open source availability. So it's easier for the masses to get, to get a hold of it than it's easier for us to, you know, teach it to, the, uh, teach it to you know, any classrooms or yep. get it in any um, any environment where the kids can kind of mess around with it, play with it, see the see the capabilities that they can kind of utilize with it. So now, I don't, as we're talking yeah. about open source, open yeah. source leads me right into that NSF topic. The the National Science Foundation grant that y'all got. Yep. That is to what, what the mission of that grant is for what? Yeah. So um, the specific grant that we won was um, a grant that's given to small companies, early stage companies, that are trying to advance a technology that has some technical risk to it, and they're trying to bring it to the market to change the world. Um, there's a phase one and there's a phase two. So the phase one is a shorter project, like a six month project or a year project. Um, we won that one in 2021. We completed that project. Um, uh, that was for 250000 Then we applied for the phase two, which is a million dollars, um, and we just got awarded that. We got the approval um, for that um, about six weeks ago. Um, so the purpose of the grant, of the work on the grant, is to increase the accuracy of our algorithm because uh, there are still use cases that it, it doesn't handle. And that's very typical of academic innovation. Right. You, know, you do something in the lab, and you, until you put it out into the wild, 
into the real world, you don't, you don't find out those things. Right, right. Best, best, yeah. And we're expanding um, the way that it works. I mean, we initially came up with it uh, for to implement at the manufacturers of 3D printers. Now we're making changes to it in order to enable it to do the aftermarket, so to, to be installed after uh, somebody has already purchased the printer, they've been using it already. So it's a combination of, it's basically advancing the, um, the use of vibration compensation in 3D printing. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's really impressive. I mean, honestly, yeah, exactly. so, so, you, so phase two, um, you, you said you got that this year. Yep. How, how long is that? That's project? a two-year project. Oh wow, that's yep. yeah, much much longer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, but it gives you a lot more time, a lot more uh, time to kind of work on any of those those issues, of course, and get you get uh, like we were speaking about before. You know, uh, be able to have time to think about how to integrate into a more consumer, um, uh, the consumer side of the house, the hobbyist side of the house, because mm -hmm. you know a lot of the the printers. Like I have a whole lot of friends I went to college with that. Just bought their first printer. Yep. They have so many questions, and I don't have enough time to explain everything. <laughs> right. I got to get them all into one room so that I can have like a little press conference with them. But, um, but no, I, I see that. So I see that you bought brought um, a, a print here. Uh, okay. I know that we can't really show, but I'm gonna put on our social medias kind of the comparison of the standard print with the um, with the ones you know using Uendo software. Well, this um, is actually a piece that's uh, quite different. This shows in one part, and I'll do. I'll try to explain it because I know everyone, everyone yeah. can't see this. This, uh, in one part, you can show we show the effect of our software. So this was printed on a, an industrial 3D printer, okay. and we printed it in three in three pieces, so okay. three stages, but all one continuous part. First, we started with the stock firmware at a normal speed, so it's it's good quality. Then we sped up the printer. And now you can see ringing, and if you run yeah. your run your fingers across the center third, oh, you yeah. can feel the ringing, right? Oh, okay. Then we stop the printer, installed our software on the controller, at that same speed as the ringing. Now feel that one. It's oh, that's awesome. All the ringing's gone, and in fact, oh, now compare it to the stock yeah. firmware. It's it's even better than that. Yeah, it's even this better. This was a surprise to us. That's we awesome. we actually improved the quality of the print. <laughs> Just yeah. not only did we double the speed, we improved the quality of the print as well. Yeah, because yeah, you can even see uh, you were speaking about the, the corners and kind of the precision around the corners. That is that is a problem. Kind of watching a lot of the prints, I, I definitely see. Oh, yeah. and of course here you see it's fused together. Yep. Whenever you do some of the, yep. there's a, a, a little bit of uh, issue there, and it, it kind of creates. Eventually, if it continues for too long, the print's too tall, you're going to have a layer separation. That's right. Um, so, yep. yeah, and you can, I can even see the degree. I can even see that when whenever you install the Ulendo software, the uh, the gaps are there where they're supposed to be. Where so, they're supposed to be. That's yeah. right. Yep. So yep. The, if you're trying to print an articulating part, which a lot of the prints are, you know, one print, you, you don't want to spend too much time if you're making a part. Um, and if it needs to articulate at all. You need those not to be fused together because then it's the same thing as having, you know, a, a layer separation. So, yep. I, and I can even see the the, the corners are exact. So, yep. um, that's a lot of the problems that I still have with my printers. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it's really impressive. It's kind of funny because I just started thinking. I just remembered something. I was thinking about what you were saying earlier, where the input shaper that is given in like Clipper rounds your corners. Mm -hmm. I was actually making boxes for this trip. So I can put all my thumbs up, my my my, my little, you know micro SD cards in there because mm -hmm. you know, it's got thousands of contacts, and I couldn't put the damn bark box together. 
because of the rounded because corners. Because of the rounded corners. I was thinking about that, yep. and I was like, you know what, she's right. <laughs> See, and that could be fine. And guys, that could be fine for a lot of users. But yeah. when you get to the industrial market, that's just not going to fly. Yeah. And no, that yeah. is exactly right. And it's like, and that's, if you want that, it's like, you know, for me, I, I like the high precision prints like that. You know, I like to be able to come to a show with something that I could actually put together and use one of them. Yeah. And that's stuff that I now have seen in a bin someplace that's going to hopefully be eventually get, you know, um, recycled. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? That, I mean, that's something that we're going to get to eventually is, is the sustainability side of the house as well because this is, this is you know, kind of indirectly solving a lot of those issues. Yes, it right? does. So yes. you don't, I don't have to print this five times, right? Yep. And, and not even just that, like... Um, I think we talked about the, the timing and the speed of, of the print. So um, it, being able to cut print time down while maintaining quality is, you know, it's a win-win. And to be honest with you, it's a no-brainer. Why would you not want to do that? So, right. It's less scrap. Yeah, less, less yes, scrap. And less that, scrap. At the end and of there's the something else, too. There's something else. What 3D printed manufacturers sometimes do to reduce vibration is they make uh, the part the, the printer heavier, so that means more metal, that means more cost. Or they put expensive controllers in there, again, more cost. And that whole thing, because it's heavier, now it uses more electricity, more energy. So there's lots of little kind of indirect spots where our technology actually reduces waste and improves um, energy efficiency. Yeah, exactly. So it's solving, and, and it, it's crazy because you're not adding any hardware. Right. right. You're yep. actually allowing for removal of a lot of those extra, you know, counterweights and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and you're solving it with, you know, a software-based solution that, you know, we, we get to the open source uh, uh, where you were speaking on modeling and having fixed time and adding it, being able to bring it to the commercial side. You're, you're definitely allowing a lot of people to be able to have that so, um, it, it makes it add the manufacturing more available to your lower level suppliers, your low level yes, manufacturers, yes. the new guys coming on board, because they can get an Ender three or something like that that's not that you know expensive and run it with you into software through Marlin, yeah. and it will fix ninety nine point nine percent issues they're having. You get the consumer side of the house, and you make the quality so high that it's comparable to the industrial prints. That's so, what's happening, guys. Yeah. Is there's a convergence between the expensive industrial printers and and the features that they have and the the quote-unquote desktop printers it's coming together in very interesting ways and in fact our first customer is a company that was primarily desktop and they were coming out with their first industrial printer so they knew they were going to have to get increased speed and precision and so we were the answer for that yeah you can't sacrifice any quality yeah. The growth of the company well, and your software so far is absolutely insane. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's fun to listen to because it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a software guy. So for me, I kind of see that path and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I come from a software testing side of the house too. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at it and go, oh, that's fine. <laughs> if it can make the process easier, it'll make it quicker to learn. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we never stop tinkering and, and, and that's the crazy part. And if, if this... If it saves time on the side of, uh, you know, I don't have to print this a second or a third time, it gives me more time to tinker. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. Um, because everybody's a tinker at heart. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that's why we're here. Right. right exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And if, you're, you know, if your tinker actually looks better yeah. than it did when it first came out the box. Yeah. 
something. You want hey. your print to be something that you're proud of. Right. Well. Exactly. Um, so we can kind of uh, we have like one more topic because uh, I don't want to I don't want to take too much more time. But okay. um, so we're, we're talking about so oh we talked about the support and and if someone wants to you know bring bring um, like uh, proprietary or custom firmware to the print and being able to adjust for that. Um, the printer support or the future plans for any of those things, those are already in place, but is there anything that you guys are working towards uh, bringing to, not necessarily market, uh, I know that you guys have the phase two of the, uh, of the print to plan to increase your accuracy. Mm -hmm. uh, is, there, is there any other uh, things that you guys are kind of working on? Yes, yes. Um, so one thing that we've noticed that is that when we can get a printer to go and increase speed, now extrusion, extrusion problems start to happen. Now the printhead can't keep up, the, you know, the warming of the materials. Right. So there are extrusion issues. So we have an extrusion control solution. It's, very, it's in its nascent stages. Um, but there's uh, there's something really significant. It's a different kind of 3D printing technology, laser powder bed fusion. Oh yeah. Mm. So in laser powder bed fusion, you have a laser that's um, you know it's on a it's got its path. Some paths create a situation where there's a hot spot right next to a cold a cold spot, which in the final part is going to create distortion. Mm -hmm. So if you can find a way to have a laser path that minimizes the differential the adjacent differential in the right. heat, you get less distortion. We have a new product coming out, um, probably at the end of this year, called Umendo HC Heat Compensation. Um, that will modify the, um, the laser path to essentially cut that distortion in half. You can't cut it all out, but uh, cutting, cutting it in half is pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, when you get into the metals, it's definitely, a, it's a lot more difficult to kind of work with a lot of those things, but that's really impressive because the, that was going to be one of my next questions is, is um, so you guys are software-based, not all, not all materials are made the same, not all filaments are made the same, not all, you know, metal powders are made the same, they all have different properties. Um, when you try to increase the speed, one of the biggest issues, of course, was that flow rate, so yep. that's exactly, exactly what I would, um, what I would like to kind of, you know, learn about as well, but we, we can kind of touch that on a little bit in the future as well. But um, that's really impressive to me yeah, because you guys too. are you, you guys started with you know dealing with the you know more FDM uh, printing and kind of those things. But when you get the laser powder bed fusion, now you're you're dealing with the industry. You're dealing with a lot of the parts that are that need to be durable. They need to be used for thousands of hours. Mm -hmm. So um, being able to print those with any any bit of quality and not having to have a machine. Uh, machine it or anything like that you're saving a lot of time again <laughs> so, exactly. yep. yeah it's it's you know again it goes back to that growth you know i, I think you is going to be a game changer in the future thank you and it still is a game changer right now we think so it definitely is and i i i, 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 I want to hit when i when i got we got the email you know about what the conversation i looked at everything i told him like you got to read this like, you, like you, you got you got to read this documentation i'm like you're, you're, I'm like, you're talking about this algorithm they're using and it's awesome that's what, I, that's what I thought when I, I first saw the technology and their description yeah. of it. Jaw-dropping. Is this the word that I used? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I was reading through the first time. Whoa. <laughs> the, reason, the reason we went to Clipper and the reason that we put all of our printers in, in and we built the Voron and, and, and we went in that direction is because of not just input shipping, it's, it's speeding up everything. And, yep. and then, but you're absolutely right. I need a, need a Raspberry Pi to be able to kind of work on some of those extra processes where my microcontroller wouldn't be able to kind of keep up. So, because yep. um, a lot of those, they don't have very much processing power. Of course, we were talking about keeping the price low means that the chip is going to be very cheap or as cheap as possible. Yep. Um, so 
that's 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 pretty impressive in and of itself. So we're definitely going to be keeping in touch. Yeah. Uh, so okay. we can that kind of have... Re, uh, yeah. Reflashing a, yeah. a, a Ender when I get home. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. get that AXDL so we can do oh, the... I'm not going to get the end of it. it. <laughs> He's going to yeah. make me do it. <laughs> so, um, and we may, the thing is, we may turn around and do a YouTube video on it. You yeah. know, to kind of show that off. That would be great. We'll do some, be great. Yeah, we'll do a couple prints and we'll compare because that's, that's a fantastic experiment because I was already thinking of doing... I know that you have the, the, the prints and having two done at the same time, but we have like multiple Ender 3s, so we can actually put them up in real time and record both of them half uh, uh, printing and see see what it is, what it looks like in real time, so we can show the masses what it, what it feels like or what it looks like. So yeah, we're definitely going to be doing, a, I think, a follow-up episode and having, yeah. you know, definitely <laughs> keeping in touch. No, exactly. The, the, the software is awesome, and I, I, we're going to definitely be playing with it. We'll definitely, you know, give you our opinion on it, believe me. Okay. You know, of us playing with it, us enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you so, might not be able to smile off our face. I'm really going to do it. Yeah, and I've got a lot of information I'm going to yeah, kind of yeah, throw yeah, in there. Yeah, we're going to see what it does and see how the prints come out because, um, you know, we've got projects we're working on as well, and it's just kind of like, you know, passion project at the house. Like, I want to make a smart mirror. I want to make my own little Kuka robot, just a little tiny one at the house, just just because I have all the parts already. But now I don't think I need the Raspberry Pi or anything like that to 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 make this these prints more precise. So it's gonna it's gonna decrease my energy uh, footprint at the house. So I'm excited. I don't want to pay a higher energy bill. I've got seven seven printers going on there. It's a lot. So, um, but yeah. So I, I think that's all the topics we had. Yeah, I, mean, I think that uh, that kind of closes it out. And you know, I you know for me. I would just, you know, everybody that's listening to us, it's a global audience, and we just want to say thank you. You know, everybody who's tuning in and listening to us. You know, this is one of probably many of the company spotlights we've been doing coming out of, out of this show, and we're definitely going to be keeping in touch. And uh, I, I say thank you to everybody who listens to us, everybody who's involved, everybody who wants to be involved, everybody, you know, everybody go out there and take a look at your window, take a look at your software and your hardware, um, you know, and... Uh, you know, get, get on their fan club because I guarantee you it's going to grow quite rapidly. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye out. Yeah. So, you know, my side, I say thank you. And, uh, uh, you know, I also always, you know, mimic ditto what, what Nick says. I'm very appreciative. It's nice to have a platform to speak on a lot of these things. It's nice, uh, and I'm very appreciative uh, to you, Lindo and Brenda, because we, we didn't ever think that we would be able to even get to this stage and kind of talk with a lot of the companies and, um, you guys are very down to earth and, and, and very understanding and wanting to, to get the information out there. So having an extra platform, we don't mind helping or, and, and, you know, it's you know, engaging conversation. So uh, very appreciative. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, My pleasure. And, and, yeah, yeah, we'll keep in touch. So. Thank you. Any closing words? You're more than welcome. Well, you know, I if anyone hasn't really visited uh, this conference, they should really give it a shot. Oh, yeah. This this conference, Rapid, um, it, I think next year it's going to be in California. It is an iPhone. You can. They've had a lot of student groups going through the show um, these two the past two days, and it's been just refreshing to see you know, them learning about brand new technologies. Right. Yeah. We plan on being there next year. Oh, yeah, we will be there. So. All right, y'all. Y'all have a good one. Thanks so much. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.